This podcast is brought to you by the Canada Foundation for Innovation. I'm Sheena Gurm. I'm a PhD student at the University of Manitoba, and I work in Dr. Renee Duville's lab. Dr. Duville's lab is focused on studying ALS from a really unconventional but an innovative angle. I was actually born in Punjab, India, and did my education until grade eight there. I think by that time, I already knew that my interest laid mainly in science. My dad was actually a pharmacist in India and had his own business. So whenever I would go to his shop, I'd always wonder how a specific medication, for example, worked for a given disease. But more than that, I would always get curious about the pathological processes underlying different diseases, such as diabetes and arthritis, both of which actually run in my family. Also, while I was growing up, I became really interested in teaching, watching my mom, who was a high school teacher back in India, and so were my mom's siblings and parents, as well as my grandmom. I would frequently mark tests and exams for my mom's students, and even sometimes pretend to teach science to kids in my neighborhood. <laughs> From my childhood, the goal of becoming a doctor was always instilled into me, as my parents wanted me to become a doctor like every other East Indian parent does. I guess it's a highly valued profession in India, kind of like the dream job of everyone, and it's highly paid, you're highly respected. So I always kept that in my mind, but I didn't have a specific interest in becoming a physician. While I was finishing up my grade eight education in India, my parents decided to immigrate to Canada as the rest of my dad's family was here in Winnipeg. And because my parents wanted me to get the best education and make a career in the field of science, which was, I guess, possible in Canada and perhaps not in India at that time, especially I think for women. We moved to Winnipeg in 2003, and I began my high school education here at uh, Sisler High School, again, placing a focus on science courses. And I think that I took majority, if not all, high school uh, science courses available because I wanted to make sure that when I went to attend university, I would have the option to choose from multiple career pathways as I would be able to meet the prerequisites for multiple streams. In high school, I was also highly involved in extracurricular activities, um, importantly dancing, choreography, uh, tutoring my peers, and doing community work, which I'm still involved in to date. When I was in grade 10, I found out that uh, you could actually get a course credit for uh, completing a specific number of volunteering hours. So who wouldn't have liked to do that? So I increased the pace of my involvement in the community. And while I was doing this, it became really attractive and common to volunteer at local hospitals. So I kind of jumped on the bandwagon there and started volunteering at Health Sciences Center, which is a local hospital. So there I was volunteering as a cashier in a corner store. 
And after a few months, the corner store started sending their volunteers to deliver flowers and provide wheelchairs to patients. Um, and while I was serving as a flower deliverer and wheelchair provider, I encountered many individuals with very debilitating diseases, but particularly those who had been paralyzed due to a variety of reasons, uh, such as neurological diseases. It was at this time that I encountered several patients with motor neuron diseases, including a patient with ALS. I actually didn't know what a motor neuron disease was or what ALS was at that time. But after talking to a patient's families, I slowly learned about these disorders and about ALS a little bit. The patient that I came across was already unable to move their extremities, so like arms, hands, um, legs and feet. Over time, I saw that they progressed from being unable to move their limbs to being unable to speak and eventually barely breathe within a, a time frame of probably several months. So that was really heart-wrenching and uh, difficult to witness for me. After finishing grade 12, I enrolled in the University of Winnipeg um, as a biochemistry major with the aim of completing the prerequisites um, so that I would be able to apply to med school. My parents wanted me to attend med school and I thought that becoming a physician would give me a sense of purpose in life and allow me to help those in need of healthcare, such as the ALS patients or uh, patients affected by neurological diseases that I encountered while I was volunteering. During the beginning of my third year of university, along with my other friends, you know, peer pressure, who also wanted to attend med school, I started studying for MCAT. When I was studying for MCAT, it was mostly cramming. It wasn't really, you know, helping me succeed further and discover myself and my interests. I didn't enjoy that process of studying for MCAT. So yeah, I think that made me realize that med school wasn't for me. So I decided not to write the MCAT and decided I would probably look for other options. I really like adventures. So I decided to take a field course with Dr. Susan Lingle at the University of Winnipeg uh, when I was exploring uh, options other than uh, writing the MCAT. So this course was focused on doing research on um, habitats and behavior of a select species of birds and deer. While I was taking this course, I realized that I really enjoyed doing research, but the field of ecology wasn't really for me. Um, I thought if I could do research in the field of health sciences, that would be perfect because I would be able to help patients by creating a better understanding of disease processes and by finding perhaps new treatments all without actually becoming a physician. So during my interactions with uh, Dr. Lingle, I found out from her that the University of Winnipeg had just hired Dr. Rene Duville who, uh, as a new uh, microbiology professor who runs her lab through the University of Winnipeg and is an adjunct professor at the University of Manitoba. So I decided to meet up with her. We talked about her research um, and the projects pertaining to ALS in her lab. And I was immediately drawn into her ALS research and then decided to join her lab. And I actually ended up doing my undergraduate honors thesis with her as the supervisor, followed by my master's degree and now PhD research. 
What happens in ALS is brain cells called neurons and specific types of brain cells uh, or neurons, uh, which are called motor neurons, which are essentially responsible for um, helping you move. So, for example, helping you move your arms or legs, any kinds of muscles in the body, including muscles in the respiratory system. So what happens to those motor neurons is that they are damaged and they eventually die over time. And uh, you're left with muscles which aren't um, being innervated by any motor neurons. So the muscles aren't getting any signals to uh, be able to move. So eventually what happens is that those muscles waste away and uh, you're left with paralysis in different parts of the body. During her postdoctoral studies at the NIH in USA, uh, Dr. Duville discovered that in the brains of patients with ALS, there are viral proteins being produced from viral genes within our DNA, and these are called endogenous retroviruses. Endogenous retroviruses are pieces of viral DNA or genetic information found within our own DNA. So essentially, they're fossils of ancient viral infections in our ancestors. So what happened was that millions of years ago, retroviruses infected the gametes, so egg and sperm cells, of our ancestors. When this happened, retroviruses that infected them were able to incorporate themselves into the DNA of our ancestral um, egg and sperm cells. The retroviral sequences in the DNA of these cells were passed on to the resulting offspring. So what this means is that all the cells in the body of that offspring, including their gametes, had these retroviral sequences in their DNA. And when this individual reproduced, the viral sequences were passed on to the next generation and so on throughout um, the lineage. So these viruses became a permanent part of the human lineage in this manner and are now called endogenous retroviruses. We all have them in all of our cells, in our bodies, and in fact, endogenous retroviruses make up over 8% of our DNA. What this means is that they must have some kind of function in human health and disease. Like other retroviral proteins, for example, those encoded by HIV, which is another retrovirus, um, the proteins derived from endogenous retroviruses may also be harmful and contribute to cellular damage in ALS. So since this discovery, Dr. Duville has continued her research at the University of Winnipeg and focuses on studying how these viral sequences found within our DNA are reactivated in patients with neurological disease and how they contribute to pathological processes underlying a given disease. And the piece of the puzzle that I'm focusing on is how the youngest human endogenous retrovirus called endogenous retrovirus K or ERV-K is reactivated to produce viral proteins within brain cells in ALS and how interactions between select viral proteins and human uh, cellular proteins contributes towards damaging uh, the human brain cells.
ALS isn't just associated with a single molecule which has gone wrong and is causing um, all this pathology. It's a multifactorial disorder. So in the ALS research community, a lot of focus has been placed on studying human cellular proteins which um, are no longer functioning properly. So I think the greatest challenge in the research work that we do is actually having the ALS research community accept that endogenous retrovirus proteins are key contributors to neuropathology in ALS and perhaps consider the use of antiretroviral drugs for um, ALS. The research community is slowly accepting this unconventional perspective to ALS pathology. Um, In fact, currently there are ongoing clinical trials in the states evaluating the use of existing antiretroviral drugs. I still continue to volunteer as much as I can. And yeah, I still do dance, um, especially over the summer. So in August uh, for Folkorama, when the lab is actually closed. My dad eventually found out that I didn't write the MCAT and he was just really mad. (laughs) Then I guess I kind of consoled him by saying, maybe I can still become a doctor, but from a different um, angle. So for example, PhD. I think eventually as he saw me getting into the research field and doing good in the field, then uh, yeah, eventually he, he was okay with it. Uh, they're very supportive of me now and I think that my parents realized that this was probably the best for me and I was not made to become a physician at all. I think one of the greatest rewards of this work is actually being able to come up with a better treatment and give the patients with ALS a hope that an effective treatment for this disease is a possibility in the future. So I think it's extremely satisfying to know that the work we do in the lab has the potential to bring a positive change in the health of individuals living with ALS. And it's equally uh, fulfilling to know that through my PhD journey, I'll be able to enhance knowledge in this field of research and uh, contribute to the Canadian vision of making ALS a treatable disease in the near future.